You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, worship team. It's good to be together here. What a strange thing. Actually, have us all on stage and you're joining us. I love it. We've been going through this series, uh, Numbers, Life in the Desert. And does it feel like a desert to you? You know, it really does to me. I just think of protests going on every night, peaceful protests. Glad for that. Glad for that. But one of my friends was down there and said, you know, it's so angry down here in the street. And then I see the the looting and rioting that happens around the edges of that. And I see, well, if I see this, the killing of George Floyd again, but then I see graffiti that goes up that's ACAB, I'll sanitize a bit, all cops are bad. That's a lie. Police officers are putting their lives on the line to protect and serve, many of them, most of them. Life in the desert, when it's hard to make sense of what's going on. Where do you go from here? And what we've seen in the first two parts of our series, first of all, is that God is a God who wants to bless. Matt did such a good job of unpacking what it means for God's blessing to happen. It's a great, great, great lesson. And then last week... Jay took us through how God guides and provides with the cloud and the pillar of fire and how we follow, not just through the desert, but through life together with him, following the Lord our God. Today we want to look at Numbers chapter 11. And this is a story, when you think of Numbers 11, well, we've got to put a little bit. They, the people start up in the land of Goshen up in Egypt, Passover, 10 plagues, and they head down to the Red Sea Ocean ahead of them, military behind them. God parts the sea and they cross across and go on down to Sinai. Now, traditionally, that journey took 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. They go from Egypt to Mount Sinai. Well, this is Mount Sinai. (laughs) Kind of a bleak place, isn't it? But in that day, that mountain was covered with fire. That mountain was covered with a cloud in the presence of God. Mount Sinai. There the people came to meet the Lord their God and to get the Ten Commandments, to get his blessing. And they were there for, oh, maybe a a year, a little more than a year, camping there. Moses said to Hobab, son-in-law of... He said to his brother-in-law, we're setting out for the place which we... The Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us and we'll, we'll treat you well. For the Lord has promised us good things. I think about that. The Lord will give us. That's the picture of God. The God who gives. He has promised us good things. It's so incredibly 
I mean, that's the, that's the nature of her God. And Moses recognized that he calls his brother-in-law to go with him and show him how to get there. But Hobab answered, no, no, I'll not go. I'll go back to my own land and my own people. Uh, you're not my people. But Moses said, please, don't leave us. You know where we should camp in the wilderness. You will be our eyes. If you come with us, Here's the heart of Moses again. We will share with you whatever good things that God gives us. What a great picture. The generosity of God becomes in the generosity of Moses to his brother-in-law. So they set out. Three days they traveled. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was before them during the three days to find them at a place to rest. The cloud of the Lord That's what Jay helped us see last week. Went with them, was over them, setting out. And again, you have this picture. Wherever the Lord sets out, Moses said, here it is. Rise up, Lord. Rise up, Lord. See, that's the prayer that comes out of the heart of generosity. It calls on God to rise up. Go with us, show us, protect us from our enemies. But it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. Wherever it came to rest, he said, Return, Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. That prayer, calling out to the God who has made this promise, Rise up, return, O Lord. What a great start. (laughs) What a great start. And here they are at Sinai. Kadesh Barnea, well, they didn't know where that was, but that's the south end of the promised land. That's the land entrance. They will go into this land that's rich, flowing with milk and honey, and that's their goal, and they know where it is because they've heard the stories from when they used to be up there. So they set out. And when they set up into the desert, this is what they see. Now imagine this. You've been camping for a year, more than a year, at the foot of Mount Sinai. For 50 days before that, you've been trekking through the desert. Now you leave what is familiar and go to this and you go a little bit further, it's looking like this. I mean, you can see the camel there. This is bleak, bleak, unknown territory. Yeah, you've got the, the Ark of the Lord, you've got the, the cloud, but oh my gosh. So the people's response. The people complained about the hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And boy, this is deja vu all over again because we are immediately hyperlinked back to 16 when they've just crossed the Red Sea and they're again three days into the desert and they're grumbling against Moses before the Lord. Oh, this is not good. They complained. After all he's provided, quail, water, protection, the Ten Commandments, (laughs) they grumbled Back in Exodus 16, and I bring it into the present, I just put in the, they're whining. They're whining. Those are parents or grandparents, we know what whining is like. And you know what whining does to you when you've been good to your kids and then they whine and they whine. They're whining in the presence of God. Because what they're doing really is they're denying the power and the goodness of God which they've seen over and over again. But instead of going with God into the desert, they just see 
the desert. And when the Lord heard this, his anger was aroused. And fire from the Lord burned among them on the outskirts of the camp. You think, why would God do that? Well, because to dishonor and disrespect the God who has done so much is, I mean, the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as Jesus summarizes it. And boy, they're doing the opposite of that. But what the people do? Now, correctly, they cried out to Moses, and he prayed to the Lord. This is the same prayer we saw earlier. The people cried out to Moses, and the God who called on God to rise up and to return to us prayed to the Lord, begging. They begged him for help, and Moses prayed, and the fire died down. Lesson learned. <laughs> I wish. I wish. They call that place Tabera, and Tabera there means burning. And I think about this in a people that have seen so much, in a people who have been provided so much, and they're so incredibly ungrateful, so quick to grumble and complain and whine. Now, I would never do anything like that. You wouldn't either, would you? No way. No, never ever would we do something like that. Oh, I wish that were true. I wish that were true. I sent this sermon outline to Jay, and uh, he looked through that, and he's on his strategic planning retreat this week. And as he read this, he saw his own heart, how quickly we become discontented, ungrateful, complaining, whining to God because, and this is what happens. This is what happens. The rabble, the outsiders, the, we don't know exactly what it is. It's not the core of the people, but it's troublemakers. It's like the protesters, the rioters that are among the protesters downtown. That group began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites joined with them and started wailing. If only we had meat to eat. Really, the word there could be translated desire. And that's the same desire, that wailing. Wailing. We don't want manna. We want meat. Manna, that incredible provision of God. That desire... Same desire, same exact desire that we see in Genesis chapter 3 where God gives them so much. Eve looks at the tree of knowing good and bad and her desire for gaining wisdom. And of course it blew up everything. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 10 commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house or land. And that desire, the consuming desire is what happens to the people. And that desire overwhelms them to the point that they say, we remember the fish we had in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, <laughs> the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, 
and it was free. And you think, see what's happening when this desire begins to consume them? They go back to the horrors of slavery, the agony of what was going on in Egypt, and that's all blotted out. They just remember we had fish. That consuming desire, it's making them crazy. It says here, no, we've lost our appetite. If we translated this literally, it's the Hebrew word nefesh here, it's a life. And we would say our life is dried up. We never see anything but this manna. It's the despise and contempt for God's miraculous provision. And because of their desire, because of their greed, I guess, our lives are drying up because we only have God's manna. Now we look at it from our distance and we think, oh, how could they have done that? The trouble is, how often do we do the same thing? How often do I do the same thing? Instead of praising God for his provision, I end up complaining about what I don't have, that entitlement. That drying up, that's the same phrase that the psalmist David uses when he's talking and looking forward to the experience of Jesus on the cross. When he says, my strength is dried up, baked like clay, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You know the irony here? The irony here is what they think they're experiencing with this drying up is what Jesus will experience for our sake. Oh, we deserve the fire a lot of times. And Jesus takes our drying up. Only it's real drying up for him, not the imagined drying up. We just have this manna. We don't have anything but this manna. Can you put yourself there? You know, we are so rich here. But when we get caught up in the things we don't have, and I think it comes with the richness. I think that's why Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go with their eyes and needle because that gratitude for God's provision, we look at the life without God and we remember the free goodness of Egypt. Slavery, death, torture. That's where it's at. What should we do? Worship team, why don't you come back up here? I, I want you to sing with us just a little bit here. But see, when I think about this, when you do it the right way, we remember the free goodness of God's provision. Sarah had this laying here, and I grabbed it because it's just perfect. It's a bag here. It says, we were created to worship. It's not just something we do. It's who we are. Our worship will take us to places complaining won't. So true. So true. How many times does our desire for something we think we have to have 
keep us from seeing what God is going to give us. Because he's the God who gives blessing on blessing on blessing. And I want to sing a song here. I, when I think of the Passover, there's a song that you sing in there. It's a cute little song. It's Dayenu. Uh, it would have been enough. But the truth is that God has given us so much. And when you look at what he has done for us, and then look at what we don't have, it gives a whole different perspective. So I want to sing this song. It's a new song. In fact, Sarah, bless your heart, went through and put all chords to it and transposed it so we could sing it. I want to do that. Can we do that? I love that desert song. It's just, I know some of the story behind it, you can look it up on the internet. It's just an amazing, amazing song to sing the story behind the singing of that song. It would have been enough. You know, that attitude that looks at what God has done and receives it with grace, receives it with gratitude versus the complaining, the grumbling, the whining. But let's look at Moses. Look at what he does. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry. Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, now, Moses is not at his best here, but I want to listen to what he's saying. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? He says to God. What have you done? To, what have I done to displease you that you should burden the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Of course, God did give them birth, and he's saying that. Why do you call me? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms? As a nurse carries an infant. Where can I get meat for these people, he says. They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. Because what's happening here is the compassion of a good leader feels the pain of his people. And he takes it to God. I can't carry these people by myself. Now coming back to his own thing, the burden is too heavy for me. Is this how you're going to treat me? Please, go ahead and kill me if I found favor in your eyes. Don't let me. Don't let me face my own ruin, he says. Now you can read this as Moses is the same place as the people, complaining and whining. But I actually read this a little bit differently. When I read this, I think what he's doing here, Moses, is, again, the compassion that he feels makes him feel the pain of the people very personally. And he feels the responsibility of it. I see that in some of our political leaders that are going in right now and trying to figure out how to deal with all the pain that's running around in our system. And some of them responding well to that, some aren't. I think Moses actually responds pretty well. And what he does, he's take his need to the Lord who is, can you fill in the blanks there? Those of you have been around for a while, <laughs> you know what is the most quoted verse in the Bible, by the Bible, maybe. You remember what it is? It's actually there at Mount Sinai, after the golden calf. And Moses is invited up to the mountain again after the people have done the golden calf, and Moses is, again, feeling the burden of their thing. In this quote from Exodus 34, 6 and 7, 
the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, bring wickedness, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, who does not get the guilty unpunished. That's the most quoted verse in the Bible, by the Bible. And it tells us there that he takes his need to the God he knows to be compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, faithful, loving, forgiving, just. And he takes it to God. I think that's exactly what should happen. And what you do at that spot when you do this is you take your burden to the Lord, but then you expect and you accept his help. Now, see, the entitled whining won't do that because the whining does not expect God to help. The whining expects him to turn a deaf ear. I look at this. This is a lament. This is a lament. One of the lament psalms, Psalm 13, there are a lot of them. This one carries a lot of meaning to me. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever, David sings? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's the agonize of the pain of the situation. See, praise never overlooks the realities of this situation. Never. It brings it to God, who is compassionate and gracious, expecting that he's going to do so. And the, so the psalm ends, but I will trust in your chesed, your unfailing love. That's one of those words from Exodus 34. My heart rejoices in your Yeshua, your salvation. See the difference? At the top, it's, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? But at the very same time, his heart is singing, I will trust in your unfailing love. I will trust in your faithfulness. My heart rejoices in the salvation, the Yeshua of the Lord. I will sing the Lord's praise as I cry out. Will you forget me forever? See, and that's a song of lament. And I think that's a piece we have to do when we're in the desert, is lament. And if you're listening to the encouragements videos this week, you heard mine on my lament for the situation we're facing here in, in my city right now. Annie Voskamp puts it this way, lament is a cry of belief in a good God, a God who has an ear to our hearts, a God who transfigures the ugly into beauty. It's a song of faith, but it's also a song that deals with the reality of what's hurting. And see, this is what the people didn't do. It's, I think it's what Moses does. And I think that's a pattern for us to live when we're in the desert and it looks like everything is coming unglued. And we do it in community. We do it in community. We do it to the Lord. Believing that he is compassionate and gracious, we expect his help and when it comes, we accept his help, even if it's manna and we're looking for meat. So what does the Lord do? What does the Lord do? He says to Moses, 
bring 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and official amongst your people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand with you. See, here's the community. I will show you and speak to you there, and I will take some of the power of the spirit, the ruach, that's on you, Moses, and put it on them. So this empowering spirit that's enabled Moses to do all the amazing things that he's done as a leader of the people, he's going to share that with 70 elders. They will share the burden of the people so that you're not have to carry them alone. See, it's the provision of God. Not expected. Moses didn't pray for this. But there it is. He expects help and God provides it and Moses accepts it. Now, I'm going to give you some homework. It's who I am. Acts chapter 6, when you look at that, it talks about the Lord's provision, the spirit and power and prophecy on leaders who lead with Acts chapter 6. Is talking about selecting people to oversee the distribution of food to the disenfranchised Gentile widows. And they select people who walk with spirit and wisdom and faith and grace. See, that's what God does. He gives us those kinds of leaders, and we look for them. Not all leaders are like this, of course. But one of the things that I so appreciate about serving on the team here at Grace these are the kind of people we have. And we encourage each other in that way. So look it up, Acts chapter 6, but it doesn't stop there. God's provision through spirit goes on to what we've spent time in Galatians to keep in step with the spirit. And when we keep in step with him, walking together, his empowerment, our obedience, then we see the fruit of the spirit coming. Love, joy, peace. Faithfulness, meekness, self-control. And again, that's the kind of thing. Even in the desert, even when the Lord seems to have forgotten us completely, there's a love and a joy and a peace because we know he is who he says he is. And we dare to sing, great is your faithfulness. Look it up in Galatians 5, but 1 Corinthians 14. I'd love to take these passages, which you don't have that much time, so homework. Leaders filled with the Spirit speak God's word with heart-transforming power to comfort, to edify, to expose the secrets of the heart. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. That's what we do here at Grace. People come with all kinds of backgrounds. We just had a thing come through in our prayer. I can't tell you the story here, but it's confidential, but just the agonized power of a family in recovery, and it's just gone south. And she just, help me. And what we reach out is people like that come and they're asking for help. We expect God's help and we accept what he gives, but we do it in community and leaders help people like this do things. It's a tough season. It's a desert season. It is. This is what God says. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves and prepare for tomorrow. This is the Lord's provision. And you'll eat meat. <laughs> They're whining to him, and he provides for them. The Lord heard you when you wailed, only had meat to eat. We'd been better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you'll eat it. You'll eat it not just one day, two days, 
five or 20 days, but for a whole month. <laughs> what do you see here? The Spirit drives abundant quail because God provides lavishly for the people. But when you keep reading here in Numbers chapter 11, what we find is it turns a little bit different. You have it for a month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? See that despising God, insulting God, he takes it personally. He gives them meat because he knows in their greed they will stuff themselves sick. It's an incredible way in his provision to feed into their greediness. A wind. So God's what God said. A wind and that wind is the Ruach. That's the same spirit that God put in the elders of Israel. That wind went out from the Lord and drove quail, scattered them up all around, all day and all night. And people just gathered like crazy. See, but that's what happened in the greed. While well, the meat is still in their teeth, before it had become consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. You say, why is God so touchy? Because he's providing so lavishly. And instead of responding with gratitude and love, which is the command, to honor him as the God of provision, they're sitting there just whining and insulting and despising. He didn't cast them off. He stays with them. But they call this place, who can pronounce the words there in Hebrew, but what it means is grieves of the greedy. That's what the Hebrew phrase means there. These people are greedy grabbing become graves of craving. And I think how greed ruins so much, how our entitlement makes us so unwilling to accept God's goodness with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with the loving relationship of fulfilling. Oh, it's desert. Yes, absolutely it's desert. So when I think of Jesus' followers, we spend a lot of time in Galatians looking at this idea that faith, trust, and commitment to Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me reconstructs, reorders, reorients my entire life. Because when I receive Jesus as Savior, when I commit to him as Lord, when I let the Spirit enter my life and transform my heart, it reorients everything. And that's what makes it possible to go through the desert, as Moses, Caleb, Joshua do, with gratitude and joy and confidence, even in the desert. And in pondering this sermon, I ended up pondering a fair bit about envy. Envy, envy is, well, jealousy, I want what you've got. 
envy says, you got something I need. You are something I need. So envy, looking at something else that we, well, in that case, you're looking back to Egypt. Look at God's manna. Envy keeps us from being able to enjoy what we have because envy always wails, not enough, not enough. If you listen to the sermon preview this week, you heard me tell the story of when Sherry and I were in Pasadena. I was in my doctoral program in 1977. I was working very part-time in a machine shop. Sherry was working at a department store, a little department store there in Altadena, California. And we were poor as the proverbial church mice. I mean, we had a home, and uh, my boys were in elementary school, Don and David. And, and we never went hungry. We never had to, well, we had to worry sometimes about paying bills. But, I mean, we're, we're doing okay. But I decided we need to do something special. My boys were good. They're doing well. And we decided to go to San Diego. So we saved up our pennies and headed south down I-5 to San Diego. And we went to a motel. We didn't go to campground, which we usually did because it was cheaper. We went to a motel, like with soft beds instead of hard ground. And can you believe it? Color TV. Now, in 1977, I don't think my boys had ever seen color TV. Oh, they probably had, but certainly not in our house. And we're in a motel with color TV and a swimming pool. Oh, my gosh. Cartoons took a whole new flavor for them. We went to San Diego Zoo and saw the koalas. Yes, they're just as cute on live as they are on TV. Elephants, lions, tigers, bears. Oh, my. You know, all the stuff. Even rode the train. Lindbergh Air Museum. My boys and I both enjoy airplanes and the incredible story of Charles Lindbergh flying across the Atlantic Ocean. Went to the beach. Oh, yeah. Riding the waves in and the warm water. It's just amazing. We just kind of did everything. We even went to restaurants. Can you believe it? McDonald's. Our final time as we were headed back to Pasadena, we went to SeaWorld. Shamu the whale. Big, huge killer whale. We looked at him down below, we looked at him up above, and they have the show time. And of course, the boys and I sat in the splash zone. Sherry, a little wiser, didn't. Ah, we just got covered up when Shamu did his thing. It was so fun. Anything. We were probably half hour from being ready to leave, maybe not that much. We we're just pretty well done with the day. And Don, who was, oh, I don't know, nine, ten maybe, came up and looked at me with that first burned son look and said, Dad, I want a Coke. And I'm thinking, okay, my father head, we're going to be on the road here in about 15 minutes and we're going to be on I-5 Raceway. There are no rest stops. And I said, son, uh, why don't we, and I explained, we're going to be on the I-5 Raceway for a while. We'll get you a Coke when you get to Pasadena. And I saw his face change. Dad, I want a Coke. Son, we're, we're going to be in the car for a long time and Cokes go through your body and like there's no potty in the car. Dad, I want a Coke! And in three minutes, he is screaming. And David, who doesn't even know what's going on, has joined him. 
out of compassion for his brother and are looking at me and I'm, I'm just, Argh! and I tell you, it ruined the entire weekend for all of us. Sherry is way over there somewhere. I do not know these people. Well, not really, but we had everything except the Coke, which I would have got him 15 Cokes in Pasadena. That's what envy does. It always looks at what we don't have. instead of what God has done. Worship team, come back up here. We're going to sing here in just a bit. But look at this. In the Dayano song, it would have been enough. Just looking, God, he gave us manna. Now, frankly, I'm tired of the manna. Could we get some light meat manna and some dark meat manna? I mean, but no. We hate this manna. We want to go back to it. No, 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 no. John chapter 6. Jesus reflected in this story. Your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread, Jesus said, that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. That perfect life with God. This bread is my flesh which I'll give for the life of the world. Jesus is the heavenly manna. And when I think about that, we sang the song, Jesus, had you just died for us, it would have been enough. Not only die for us, for forgiveness of sin, he gave us new life through the resurrection. He poured out the Holy Spirit, exalted over all the powers of darkness. Some of you may not know Jesus yet. Some of you may be just checking things out. And what I want to tell you is that Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the manna that comes down from heaven. And through him, we can have that kind of power that can lament in the desert and be grateful for another day of manna and believe that God will provide and when the quail comes, instead of stuffing ourselves sick, we will give thanks to the God of the universe. Let's sing about that. Thank you, team. Oh, my gosh, that was incredible. You can stay a lot, Cameron. We love that. And you get off that box and you can sing. This is great. Ernie, the dancing key guy. Love it. Linda, oh, my gosh. Ed, you're back. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, and Scott. Uh, this is, it's good to be team, isn't it? And that's what we talk about here at Grace is a team that believes in the faithfulness of God, not Pollyanna. Oh, it's so good. If you're Jay McKinney dying of cancer, you don't say, oh, it's so good. You say God is good and this is horrible to go through. The tears are real. But God is good. And that's where you find that balance between the two. The lament never pretends things are good when they're not. But what it does, it looks at Christ and then the circumstances, not the circumstances and then Christ. 
because they believe who God is because of these stories. I don't know where you're walking in the desert, uh, but the point is, God is there. I wish you were in a cloud. Oh my gosh, I wish you were in a cloud showing us the way to go. He comes through the Spirit and through the community, through his word. And I invite you, we're going to have a prayer time here after the service, I invite you just click and join in on the Zoom call afterward. It's a, it's a place to just connect in with somebody and get some help. Don't be alone. Don't be greedy. Don't be envious. Be believing that God is the God of blessing. And let us help. We'll do it together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of who you are, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, faithful, loving, forgiving, just. Jesus, thank you for showing us that through your life, where you showed us how to live, through your death, where you provided full forgiveness for sin. In your resurrection, where you gave us that life with the Father, the bread that came down from heaven, exalted over all the hostile powers, and poured out your Spirit. Holy Spirit, grant us, convict us of those places where we go into entitlement, into whining and envy, and show us, no, 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 no. Bring us back to the lament, the joy, the faithfulness, where we can say, it would have been enough, but you keep blessing us. Where we think, it is well with my soul, even when we're in the desert. Thank you for our time here together. Thank you for the grace that you show us in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Go change the world in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.